Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 88, the Nicholas Batum episode, as the French swingman and current Philadelphia 76er were number 88 for the first seven seasons of his NBA career with the Portland Trailblazers. Before we get to our opening tips, just a reminder that it's playoff time and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for all your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get into all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. And tonight, Bruce, we welcome you back onto the show here, and we'll let you tee us off with the opening tip. I'm a little disappointed that episode 88 wasn't in honor of Nemias Kata, the, 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 the hot bench player. For, okay, yeah. I think Batum, Batum is a worthy is a worthy yeah. choice. But thank you, and it's great to be back with you guys. Speaking of the Celtics, Marcus Smart spent his first nine NBA seasons as a Boston Celtic. Prior to this season, he was traded as part of the deal that brought Kristaps Porzingis to the seas. He was one of the most aggressive defenders in the league and was named Defensive Player of the Year two seasons ago. But he was much more than his numbers or his awards. He was the emotional leader of the Celtics and the guy who could give negative feedback to stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they'd actually listen. Marcus was also a man who gave back to the community and was a regular visitor to children who were in the hospital in the Boston area. In short, he was, and remains, a cherished member of the Celtics family. When he returned to the TD Garden on Sunday night with the Memphis Grizzlies, he was injured and didn't play, but he was honored during a first-quarter timeout with a video tribute, and all of Celtics Nation stood and cheered. He may be a Memphis Grizzly now, but for fans like me, he'll be a Celtic forever. Thank you, Marcus. Well done there, Bruce. And yeah, it was quite the homecoming game for Marcus Smart, who certainly got his flowers from the Boston crowd, and that was well-deserved. World B? Well, thank you, Ross. You know, in terms of record, the Charlotte Hornets are not the worst team in the NBA. They're not even the second or third worst. But a little more than midway through this season, it's pretty clear there's no franchise that has been a bigger embarrassment in the league right now than the Charlotte Hornets. On the court, they're not just losing games anymore. They're barely putting up a fight. In two of the last four games entering Monday, they found themselves down by 20 or more points after the first quarter. Now, the issues aren't all their own doing. After all, their best player, LaMelo Ball, has only played in seven games since November, since late November because of injuries. But on the other hand, it wasn't the Hornets. It was the Hornets who decided to give Ball a max extension contract last summer despite his history of injuries. But the list of four front office uh, poor decisions seems to be growing on a daily basis. This is a franchise, after all, that fired Steve Clifford after eight seasons, or fired him eight seasons ago, brought in James Borrego, and when he led the Hornets to their first winning season in six seasons, fired him. And after searching through some coaches, they eventually settled on Steve Clifford. <laughs> so as the trade deadline approaches, expect the Hornets to be mentioned prominently as they attempt to unload the multitude of mistakes onto someone else. But until this franchise comes up with a legitimate game plan, 
and that begins from the top on down, the embarrassment that will likely continue for the Charlotte Hornets. It pains me to hear you say all that, uh, World B, because you usually are our optimistic uh, Charlotte Hornets fan entering the season. And, I thought uh, they'd make the, at least a play in this year in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. Boy, on the, when we go back and look at our things we got wrong at you know at the end of the year <laughs> recap, this will probably be numero uno. Yeah, well, well one I mean, of them, uh, one of many, I should say. I think we can all expect a lot of change in Buzz City this offseason, and uh, change is certainly needed. So well stated there in your opening tip. As for mine, we had quite the unique announcement this past weekend as the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, Doc Rivers, now one and two on the season with the Bucks, was named the head coach of the Eastern Conference All-Stars in the NBA All-Star game this year in Indianapolis due to a little-known and quirky rule. There's an NBA rule in place that the head coach of the team with the best record in the respective con- conference can't coach the All-Star game two seasons in a row, which in this case makes Joe Missoula of the Boston Celtics ineligible. That means the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, who have the second best record in the conference at 33-17, and 17, gets the honor. Talk about awkward and straight-up weird timing. Thankfully, after the announcement was made, it was great knowing Doc Rivers found this announcement just as mind-boggling as the rest of us. He stated, that is ridiculously bad. It really is. And he went on to say that he thinks there should be a rule that another top coach in the East gets the honor. But rest assured, Doc is taking the classy approach and making the best of this awkward situation with plans to give the all-star coaching money and the all-star ring to Adrian Griffin. It was also later reported that Doc's newly hired assistants will not be joining him on the bench for the game so that the honor and recognition goes to the Bucks assistant coaches who've worked hard all season for the team and make sure they, they get a well-deserved opportunity and all-star experience that they've earned. So despite the awkward timing and weird news, I tip my cat to tip my cap to Doc Rivers, who's handled the situation the best way possible. Do you guys have any further thoughts into uh, kind of this awkward timing and announcement with the All-Star game? I'm not at all surprised that Doc handled things that way with class and with sympathy and empathy, not only for the assistant coaches that this is a big deal for, but also for Adrian Griffin, who, you know, kind of got a raw deal in this whole, you know, having a, Great winning percentage and losing his job. So, uh, bravo, Doc. Uh, I'm not at all surprised you were so classy. No doubt about that. So, let's go ahead and get to our first quarter now, and let's discuss the All-Star subs and snubs. We'll stay stick along the lines of the All-Star announcements and as the All-Star teams in each conference were announced last week. So, I thought we'd start out East, and the Eastern Conference starters are Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was named team captain, and Joel Embiid, who, of course, is now going to unfortunately be out due to injury. So my first question to you all, what are your thoughts on the starters and who should replace Embiid as the Eastern Conference starter? Bruce? Well, I thought, you know, the, you know, look, I I would probably go, you know, you have to kind of go big for big here. So. Mm -hmm. I would probably put Kristaps Porzingis in there instead of uh, instead of Embiid. Will be. Uh, I I I think that isn't a bad option here. I would 
probably. I mean, I think I think there are some choices out there uh, in the East that should get in that we'll talk about uh, with that. But yeah, I don't I don't have a necessarily a problem with that one. I don't think he, in this day and age of the All Star Game you have to necessarily go uh, big. Mm-hmm. to match up with big if you have somebody besides you know somebody you think belongs in there uh at the guard position instead of randall that i'd be fine with that too gotcha well let's go ahead and get to those eastern conference reserves and we can open this up to a broader conversation here the east reserves are bam Adebayo, paulo boncaro jalen brown jalen brunson donovan mitchell tyrese maxi and julius randall who is also going to be out unfortunately due to injury so um, as far as these reserves are concerned my first question to you both I think it's the the big uh, jarring one in the Eastern Conference is uh, Damian Lillard as a starter over Jalen Brunson and uh, we'll be I'll start with you on your thoughts on that well I mean it you know from a performance standpoint it'd be a no-brainer Brunson deserves to get in before Damian Lillard he's just not having Lillard's just not having that great of a season this is a popularity thing. I, I've in any sport, I've never really had a problem with the fan voting. It sometimes borders on the absurd. I get it. This isn't the most ideal choice, but it's not ab- absurd or whatever. So I, I don't necessarily have a problem as much as, much as I'd like to see uh, my man Brunson get a start or be the starter. I didn't. I wasn't that upset over it because the fans voted for it. That's the way it works. It's perfectly yep. fine with that. Bruce. I was actually pretty comfortable with their reserve choices. Uh, I know Trey Young, you know, is getting some, you know, votes for having been snubbed. But here's the thing about Trey Young. He's got great numbers, but is he more deserving to be named than Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, or Donovan Mitchell? I say no. I would no. take all three of those guys over Trey Young. Agreed. The the Randall replacement in my mind should be Jared Allen, who's having a great year for Cleveland. And so with, with Porzingis and Allen, you know, it's two bigs for two bigs there. And I think, I think as you know, they should replace bigs with bigs. Otherwise, you know, if you put Trey young in there instead of, you know, uh, Julius Randall, that's a, that's a detriment to the East chances to compete in rebounding in the game. Yeah. I I will say this. I'm one, I'm one of the guys, I think Trey young should be in there. He's having a fantastic season. He's not just having a good season. He's having a great season. If you look, he's got 17 games this year with at least 25 points and 10 assists. Only Luca has that, that those kind of games. So he's averaging 27 and 10 for the season. I personally, I would put him in before Jalen Brown. I don't know why Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's having a good year. He's not. It's it's not the uh, prime of the century that he's on there. But I do think there are more deserving choices. I understand why he's on there. He's got good numbers, and the Celtics are where they are. And the, the feeling probably is among coaches that the Celtics deserve to have two or even three if we're going to add in uh, Porzingis. And that that's fine. But I think Trey Young deserves to get in this season more than uh, a guy like Jalen Brown. We asked these guys – we. Uh, we've asked these guys, or Trey Young, to play better defense. He doesn't play defense. He's just offense. He's got career high in steals this season, one and a half steals to go along with his other numbers. So, you know, I, I understand the need for Celtics to be in there. I get that. They deserve to have uh, be given uh, consideration over others because of their record. I just think, you know, player to player, I think Trey Young's having a better year. 
Trey Young is, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves, but I think what's really hurt Trey Young's chances for the All-Star game this year is they, the Atlanta Hawks haven't been playing that much better until here recently. A lot of this voting took place weeks ago, and until recently they hadn't really been hot. They've been on a great stretch here lately, um, beating some good teams on their own home floor. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think uh, – Record-wise, I got to go with Jalen Brown, who's played a huge part in the Boston Celtics being atop the Eastern Conference. But just to spice things, well, it's, it's nice when you have a Jason Tatum to go to, a Derek White to go to, and a Chris Porzingis to go to that helps your your case. Brown is obviously one of the um, big guys in that group, and you know it's a fair it's a fair thing to say because you know the, Trey Young has uh, as Murray with him, and it's not helping either one's case these days. Uh, so, I mean, I understand it, and that's a legitimate case. I just personally – and I'm a guy who's been down in Trey Young for most of his career. I'm one of those guys that thinks he shoots too much, he takes terrible shots, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the numbers are the numbers. I think he uh, he deserves it. And just to spice some things up here a bit, obviously Paolo Boncaro, World Beast guy, made it uh, last year's Rookie of the Year. My replacement is actually – the rookie of the year two years ago, and that is Scotty Barnes. And uh, hear me out on this with Scotty. He's played 35.4 minutes a game. He's averaging over 20 points a game on 48% shooting, 36% from downtown, eight rebounds, nearly six assists, 1.3 steals, one and a half blocks. And the biggest part to me, Scotty Barnes has played in all 49 games for the Raptors this season. And let's face it. This guy has gone through a lot of adversity this year. He's lost his two biggest play, uh, uh, teammates on the team and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. He continues to put up numbers. I, I understand his team's not winning games, but uh, I'd like to see Scotty Barnes get the nod here if we're going big to big because I think we can consider, consider Scotty a big in this situation. And Fair uh, enough. Yeah. And for the West, let's get to the West here. For the West starters, we have Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, LeBron James, who is the West team captain, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. With the West reserves as Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns. So I asked you, Bruce, what's your thoughts on the, the West side of things and uh, who got snubbed? Well, Again, I'm pretty satisfied with the reserves, although there is one glaring snub, in, I, in my opinion, out West. Carl Anthony Towns, in spite of having that 60-plus point game a few weeks ago, is not having a better year than DeMontis Sabonis, who leads the NBA in rebounds, averages just under 20, and eight assists. I'd also give some love to Alpi Shangoon of Houston, who's at 21.6, 9.3 boards, and 5.1 assists. Uh, but he's not getting in there. Even if there's an injured player, I mean, it's going to be Sabonis before him. But I thought Carl Anthony Towns didn't love that one. I mean, you know, he's having a good year. He's been healthy, and the team obviously is very good. But that, to me, uh, Sabonis being a snub to me was was kind of a no-brainer. And on Monday night, he's putting up numbers against Cleveland in a game that they're getting smoked in. Uh, 12 points, 19 rebounds, and 15 assists. But Cleveland's going to win that game easily. And uh, we'll be – I'm also with Sabonis on this one. He's averaging nearly 20 points a game on 62% shooting, 43% from downtown. I know that's limited action from behind the line, but still a, 
a nice percentage there. 13 rebounds, eight assists, and uh, has played in all 48 games for the Kings this season. So I asked you, you've been the one that's been most vocal about games played this year and bringing up some of those scenarios. How much do you think for all-star replacements should games played be considered? Should we be rewarding guys that have played in all their games? Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily think a games played is is a prerequisite for the All Stars. I remember a year ago, I, at this point in the season, I was trying to figure out why Anthony Davis wasn't an All Star, even though he had he played in a limited number of games. But I still thought he was one of the twelve best players in the uh, in the West. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that's it's a good stat to have. I think you know durability is a uh, is a good stat to fall back on. I don't think it should be a determining factor necessarily if you're deciding between player A and player B. Um, I do find it pretty unusual for the same reason we want to honor the Celtics and, and in this case, the Timberwolves for their success by having multiple all-stars that somehow the Sacramento Kings don't have one. Um, I mean, if you're going to follow that path, you should try and do it for everybody. And I, but personally, I don't have a problem with Sabonis uh, making the team. If you know, if you want to call him a sub, I think his teammate Darren Fox should be the one from the Kings to actually go. And if it means replacing, I know we're talking about. I don't have the problem with the bigs and replacing with bigs just because it's the All Star game and until the last quarter, nobody really cares in terms of competition. It's it's the hundred three pointers anyway. Uh, I think De'Aaron Fox is the leader in that team. I think he's putting up ridiculously great numbers again. Uh, he's fourth quarter Fox. He's you know he's their guy down the stretch, and he's putting up the numbers to back it up. So if you want to uh, replace him with, uh, I don't know, if you want to take Carl Anthony, I agree with Bruce. I Carl Anthony Towns is having a a good season, just like Jalen Brown's having a good season. I don't necessarily considering some of the people on the outside. I don't necessarily think they're all-star seasons. And with uh, I do want to note real quick, with that 64-point game that Bruce alluded to for Carl Anthony Towns, that came in a loss. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm not one that's going to glorify uh, a high-scoring outage for any player in the league if you don't win the game. That's just me personally, but like I, I mean – I, I could care less if you don't get the W. You know, the NBA, the NBA likes to, every Christmas likes to point out the Bernard King sixty-point game against the new, then New Jersey Nets and how great it was and everything back in nineteen eighty-four, and it was tremendous. But they lost the game to the yeah, Nets, yeah. and nobody seemed I, to remember that except me and probably Bruce. Well, hey, Devin Booker had a seventy burger against the Celtics a few years ago, and and they lost that game too. Lost. So, so there yep. you go. Yeah, and Booker, I think, had another 64-point game the same week as Carl Anthony Towns. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the Suns lost that one, too. So his two highest-scoring games of his they career. Lost Indiana. Yeah, his yeah, two highest-scoring games have been in losses. So not a hey. Devin Booker hater, but I'm just saying. Not like, at all. Hey, <laughs> can, I hop on, can I hop on the De'Aaron Fox with one quick comment? And again, it kind of I, – I totally understand where Worldby's coming from as far as not necessarily having to replace a guard with a guard. But I was – I thought, you know, Fox is a mini snub. I'll give, I'll give you that. But then I asked myself the same question I asked about the Eastern Conference. Who are you going to drop? Stephen Curry, Devin Booker, or um, Anthony Edwards? I think, you know, because Fox has missed a bunch of games and the Kings, you know, they're they're good. They're as good as they were last year. So far, I wouldn't say they're better. 
No. Uh, but he's putting up his numbers. I would say I'm comfortable with those three guys in the backcourt making it as reserves in front of De'Aaron Fox. But again, love Fox. You know, he's great to watch and a great player, obviously. Yeah. By no the doubt. way, real quick, can we can we finally what is keeping the NBA from adding three more players and making it a 15 player roster? What is the problem with that? Is I don't I, I do not understand. This league grows and grows and grows. We have 30 teams. You know, in, in baseball, we have probably a 40-man roster out there on the, for yeah. the All-Star game for each side. <laughs> and I'm fine with that, but, you know, whatever, because most of them are pitchers. But, you know, how? what is the problem with adding three more players and making it a 15-player roster? I, so somebody doesn't get to play as much as they would or whatever. Is that going to be the biggest deal? You want to, you know, you want to be honored. You want to be recognized as an All-Star. I don't – this sport continues to grow. The players continue to grow. You know, in terms of you know number of players, let's just add the add three players per per conference. What is the problem with that? I don't NBA. see a problem with it, but <laughs> I think I think maybe the owners would have something to say about that because there are some uh, contract bonuses right. for making an All Star game. Well, that's so, on them. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's yeah. I didn't but, I didn't ask them to make that deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 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 the three that World B would add are probably Isaiah Hartenstein, Precious yeah. Achua, and Josh Hart. But hey. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Deuce McBride here. Come on. Yeah. Let's oh, okay. Deuce, on okay. here. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. <laughs> don't don't forget him there. Oh, All right. And Javon Carter. Don't, don't, don't forget. <laughs> oh, boy. Now you're really reaching. <laughs> well, that's it. That's all I – that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as we move along to our second quarter here, the Cleveland Cavaliers are an absolute heater here recently. 13-1 and one in their last 14 games, heading into tonight's home game, hosting the Sacramento Kings. And, uh, Bruce, you provided that update. It looks like they're going to be 14-1 and one in their last 15 after this one. So um, I'll leave it open to you here, Bruce. I mean, what are you seeing from this Cavaliers team? Well, let's start with the fact that they've had significant injuries on this yes. team. I mean, both Darius Garland and Evan Mobley has missed like half the team's games. But now they're 32-16, and 16, you know, third best in the East. They may actually be tied for second now uh, with, with Milwaukee. Since January 3rd, they're 14-1, and one, okay? And their next three games are all winnable road games, Washington, Brooklyn, and Toronto. Then they have Philly and Chicago at home, uh, Philly without Embiid and Chicago without Zach Levine. So it would not at all be shocking to me to see them firmly in second place by All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I think that's totally attainable, especially how they're playing. And I'm glad you brought up those injuries. I mean, credit to Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen, who have both successfully covered for their colleagues as Mitchell has kept the guard play alive in Darius Garland's absence. He's missed 19 games due to injury. And Jared Allen legitimately blossomed into an All-Star Reserve candidate, as you mentioned in our first quarter, Bruce. And uh, he covered quite nicely with fellow postman Evan Mobley out of the lineup and uh, didn't have Mobley's help in the paint. Will be, what's your takeaway with this team? As you might remember, I did have the Cavs as one of my top teams heading into our preseason prediction show. Well, yeah, because everybody thought they I, everybody thought they were on the downside based on how they performed in the playoffs against the Knicks and how the Knicks just roughed them up and they yep. didn't really add anything. So there was, you know, you were the one that – said opposite, including myself. Um, it's an amazing trans, uh, transformation to go from third, from basically tied for seventh 
to third place in the East in a month. Yep. I mean, that's that's a really hard thing to do in this in the NBA. It's not as hard as saying baseball where you play every day. This is this is you know you play half as many games and to make up that much ground in a conference that's has got that has gotten really difficult, you know, really competitive of late uh, in that three to six area, three to seven area is really impressive. I mean, since the beginning of January, top five in offense efficiency, top five in or number one in defensive efficiency. They're doing it at both ends. I mean, they. This is what we saw last season when they were one of the best defensive teams in the league, and one of the better offensive teams. Now they're they're doing it again on the offensive end. It's it's hard to beat them. It's really hard to beat them when you play the way they're playing right now. It's it's been absolutely impressive. You know, Alan, you mentioned Alan. I mean, what a huge factor he's been, particularly with Mobley out of there. Uh, he has really been, he's averaging 15 and 10, all right? A presence in the middle on defense, which as World B mentioned, is among the very best defenses in the league. And as we know, defense travels. The Cavs can win games on nights when their shots aren't falling. You know, during the streak, they've only allowed 115 points or more just three times in those 15 games. Um they're in the top three in every major defensive category, and their road record of fourteen and eight, best in the league. Yeah, and you got to win those road games, and that is why they are making such covering so much ground in the Eastern Conference, and likely going to take over the uh, second seed out East before the All Star break. And uh, good call there, Bruce. So with that, we've gone ahead and reached our halftime buzzer. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of the third quarter. And World Beast New York Knicks are keeping it rolling. Behind the play of M- uh, NBA All-Star Jalen Brunson, this team just keeps on clicking with or without Julius Randle and sometimes OG Ananobi. World B, I'll start with you. Are you surprised to see the Knicks continue uh, to play at such a high level with two of their biggest name stars? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, scheduling has had some help along the way. Uh, you play the, you know, you play the Charlotte Hornets, you play Utah Jazz. You know, they, these are not your prime defensive uh, teams. You can get away with the Indiana Pacers where they were down big to the Pacers on it uh, last week, but you know, the Pacers are not a great defensive team. So you can, you can come back on. So uh, not a little surprised, but not completely surprised just because of the scheduling help. I mean, they also blew out the Nuggets. You know when you know when Nuggets are playing solid ball. So there's there's some surprise, but not you know not tremendous. Uh, they beat the Heat in this run. The Heat haven't been great. Last couple of games they've been better, but they were in a real bad slump there. Um, it you saw Saturday night when they lost to the Lakers. Really, the problem when you don't have somebody to help out Brunson, they just do not have anybody anybody who can put the ball in the basket. They I mean they got shut out. For almost seven minutes in the last uh, in the fourth quarter, for the final seven minutes, they barely scored, and the Lakers were able to pull away—not just win the game, but pull away. Um, so they need, you know, they need everybody healthy. And when everybody's healthy, uh, you know, I don't know how long Julius Randle's going to be out. They say a few weeks, maybe a little bit longer, maybe in time for the playoffs. I mean, I've never had a shoulder problem. You sit on the bench, you don't have too much. In too many injuries, like with your shoulder or your feet or anything, so I can't speak from experience. But shoulder injuries sound pretty bad if you're a top of the line athlete 
So I don't know exactly how long he's uh, really going to be out, but losing OG really hurt on top of that. So they need somebody to come back and continue this going because, as we mentioned, the Cavaliers aren't going away. Cavaliers are able to win when their guys are hurt. Yep. So they're able to, to survive it. And the Knicks have been able to survive it. We'll see what happens this week. But um, I was hoping you mentioned the Cavs were fighting, you know, in position to get to the number two seed. I sent a text out to you guys last week that they entered, I think it might have been the Saturday game, just a half game behind the Bucks for the two seed. But, you know, things change real quickly. So if the Bucks don't turn it around, if the Cavs stay the way they are, the Knicks – it could be really competitive for that two spot all of a sudden. I used to think it was competitive for the three and maybe the four. Now now it's maybe the two in the East. Well, you know, with, with Embiid now pretty much being out long term, I mean, I don't expect Philly to be able to hang with those top four teams. You know, they were they were fantastic. And, you know, losing Embiid, I mean, I'm going to talk about him in my closing comments tonight. But um, – the Cavs and the Knicks, their hot streaks pretty much started at exactly the same time. I mean, when the Knicks lost to Indiana on December 30th, they were 17 and 15. And since January 1st, they're 15 and 3. So, you know, and, and the Cavaliers are 14 and 1. So, I mean, those are the pretty much the two hottest teams in the league uh, during that stretch. Um, and again, they start the, the Knicks started winning some games before the Ananobi trade, but once the Ananobi trade went through and he became a, a starter alongside Randall, that became a really dynamic forward tandem. And in the 13 games Ananobi's played, they're 11 and two. You know, he's hopefully going to be back shortly. He provides the wing defense and the three point shooting uh, that are huge. And both, you know, OG and Julius, you know, they're going to. Some of the time that Randall's going to be out, luckily for the Knicks and for him, is going to be over that extended all-star weekend. So, you know, he wouldn't miss as many games as he would ordinarily miss if it happened not bridging, you know, all-star weekend. So that's a, a break for the Knicks. But they've been handling, I think, their injuries pretty well. I mean, they've gotten solid front court minutes from Isaiah Hartenstein and and recently acquired Precious Achua, who I poked fun at a few minutes ago, but he's no joke. Um and also Dante DiVincenzo has stepped yeah. up. You know, he's provided more scoring for those guys. And, you know, Brunson is their rock. I mean, you know, when all hell's breaking loose on around that team, there's good old Jalen Brunson, you know, calming the ship. You know, he's got his hands on 10 and 2 on the wheel. And and that's got to be really a great comfort zone for, for, for Tom Thibodeau. And, Bruce, I'm glad you brought up Dante DiVincenzo. He's now had four straight games of 20-plus points. And the volume shooting has been there. And uh, he's shot at least 22 times in, in each of those past four outings, scoring 20 points. He, he's he been a great signing for this team. He brings toughness. He brings energy. He's nonstop movement. And he offers a lot of the things offensively that, of course, Josh Hart doesn't have. So I think he's been a perfect complement to uh, Jalen Brunson, someone he's certainly familiar with from their playing days at Villanova. And uh, he, he's been a huge huge uh, lift for this uh, Knicks team, especially in OG's absence. By the way, wouldn't he look good right now staying in uh, Golden State? I'm wondering oh, what, what yeah. the Warriors are thinking right now with with uh, their their issues. You know, they this is, this is another year. They let somebody that they should have kept go. You know, two years ago, they had to go out and trade for Gary Payton 
Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Junior to get back, you know, after they let him go, they had to make a trade to get him back. This time it's, you know, they let Dante DiVincenzo go. And actually, you're absolutely right about him. He's been a, a rock for them of late. It, it was the fact that he couldn't get it, the ball in the basket on Saturday night. That was a real problem. You know, he needed other scoring. He just didn't have it in the fourth quarter, uh, which was really unusual because he's been so great for them. Um, not just good. He's been great for them over the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, maybe the Warriors can trade back for Dante DiVincenzo and – I mean, who better in New York than Draymond Green? Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that'd be a hoot. <laughs> hey, you know, it's funny. Draymond Green, they do not need. Because <laughs> one of the things the Knicks have been outstanding at, they're a great rebounding team. Yeah. I mean, they're leading the league in rebound differential, okay? So when they finish a defensive defensive set with a stop, they control the boards. You know, some teams they'll make a great defensive stand and then they'll give up an offensive rebound and then the team's going to get two points or whatever. The Knicks rarely let that happen. Uh, and again, another similarity with Cleveland, their defense travels, okay? They can win on nights they're not hitting. They they're, they're, they got Jalen Brunson, Cleveland's got Donovan Mitchell. Similar roles for the two guys. Great defensive teams for both. Last year, the playoff series wasn't really that competitive. The Knicks smoked them. But it's not entirely you know, impossible that they won't meet again in the playoffs this year. And if they do, that's going to be a good series. That's going to be two yeah. teams that are just grinding it out, and it'll be like 90s basketball all over again. You know, Bruce, yeah. you, you brought up a good point about uh, earlier about Hartenstein. People forget he, he was the guy coming off the bench for them. They lost Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. With key to their rebounding and their defense, they lost him about you know a, a month, about six weeks ago, and probably for the season with a foot foot surgery and stuff. So they had to give him extended minutes, and he's been you know really solid. Although I, I gotta believe he leads the league in missed uh, shots at the basket. It's just as a fan, it drives me up a wall. He's he's done such a good job, and he misses the bunnies all the time. But yeah, they, I mean, they're really thin up front, and he's been he's been great for them. But they really, you know, he was supposed to be a uh, key reserve. He's now suddenly a key guy in their lineup, starting lineup. Yeah, no doubt about that. And as we get to our fourth quarter here, the trade deadline is actually this Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern to be exact with you guys. And uh, bigger names like OG Ananobi of the Knicks, Pascal Siakam moving on to Indiana, and Steven Adams recently traded as well. What what else might be on the horizon, Bruce? Are there any names or teams you got your eye on? The Chicago Bulls, in my opinion, you know, look, Zach Levine looked like someone who might be traded before the deadline, but that season-ending injury means he probably won't be traded, nor will he be able to help the Bulls make anything in the way of a playoff push. He also has three more years at $138 million left on his deal, so moving him won't be easy. If I were Arturis Kanishevis, the head of you know operations and general manager of the Bulls, I would say everyone except for Kobe White and Ayo Dasunmu should be available. That includes DeMar DeRozan. That includes Alex Caruso, who I hear they want to keep. And that includes uh, Nick Vucevic. You know, those guys could be helpful for teams that are maybe close. I mean, look, a team like Oklahoma City has, you know, like tons of draft picks. Could any of those guys bolster Oklahoma City a little bit? I would say, you know, veteran guys on a younger team, any one of those three could probably be helpful to OKC 
if Sam Presti wants to make a move like that. But yeah, I think Karnishevis and the Bulls need to kind of, you know, call it quits for this season and look to the future. And that means being sellers at the trade deadline. I would agree with you, Bruce. And I think the uh, one guy I can almost guarantee gets traded is Andre Drummond. I, I, I've heard the Caruso rumors staying put. Those were bigger names that would maybe complicate things with uh, De- DeMar DeRozan or Vucevic. But I think Andre Drummond's had a heck of a season for the Bulls coming off that bench. Could be very serviceable elsewhere for the rest of, rest of this season. And uh, I I just think with this Bulls team, they should blow it up. But I think we'll at least see Andre Drummond on the move. Will be, do you have any team in particular that you're keeping an eye on or a player? Well, I think uh, from a player standpoint, I think uh, I agree with you. I think Andre Drummond will go. Somebody's going to want that guy on the boards. Um, one surprising uh, name that is worth keeping an eye on to me, I don't know if anything's going to happen, uh, Buddy Heal down in Atlanta. I, it sounds like it, it looks as though he's been losing minutes. Now he's fallen out of the rotation. I think he only played about 12 minutes the other night. Indiana, uh, right? Not yes. Atlanta. Indiana. Oh, I, I meant, I'm sorry, Indiana. I'm sorry if I said Atlanta. I meant the Pacers. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if he's got an expiring contract, I believe. And I'm wondering if, I mean, personally, down here, I would love to see him uh, fit in Orlando somehow. If they could work out a deal there because they need shooting desperately. And this is a shooter's league. And they're outside of Steph Curry, nobody shoots more than Buddy Heald. So... Uh, if he's not going to work out in Indiana for whatever reason, I don't know why. Um, if it's true and he's fallen out of favor, out of rotation, and there might be looking for him at the deadline, absolutely. Uh, see, I'd love to see him in Orlando. Uh, the other thing I would say is, uh, as I mentioned in my opening, I think Charlotte's going to try and unload everybody they can. Now, who wants a team? Who wants a Charlotte Hornet? I don't know. The Heat took Rozier, and I. I can't say they got to be, you know, over the top thrilled with that return right now. He's been struggling since he got there. And uh, as you mentioned, the Bulls, we've been talking about the Bulls for the whole season. When's the Rosen going to get, you know, get dealt? When's Zach Levine going to get dealt? Obviously not now, but uh, any of those guys. So, yeah, I, those are the two teams I think will be uh, gutting their roster if they can. Yeah, I got my eyes on the Hornets as well. Miles Bridges in particular, he signed a pretty team-friendly deal to come back after his off-the-court troubles. I think he's $7 million on the books. He's been playing some phenomenal basketball for Buzz City here recently. Had another 30-point game as of taping here on Monday night. And uh, I think he could be on the move. Another guy that I've seen uh, in trade rumors so far, Nick, Richard, Nick Richards uh, of the, the Hornets as well. He's been a great uh Five men, backup five men for most of the year until they had. PJ Washington's another one that's yep. been mentioned. Yeah, Gordon PJ. Hayward, but I think the only people mentioned Gordon Hayward are people in Charlotte trying to get his name out there. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't think anybody's beating down the door no. to try and get, but they would love to see him go. Yeah, he's just maybe. not healthy. He's just not healthy. I mean, that's the biggest detriment. His contract is his contract, but he's just not. How can you pray for him when you don't know if he'll play half of the games? Yep. And the t- the other team that I just – they entertain me so much, the Detroit Pistons. What are they going to do? Are they going to try to put together a team to win 20 more games this year and add some – you know, add some – looking to fill some holes on some of those weaknesses? Or are they finally going to 
you know, cut this roster a little bit and get what they can for guys like Alec Burks. I think he's a perfect guy that should be traded at the deadline, but knowing the Pistons, they'll probably hold on to him because he's playing so well and he's keeping us in games. I mean, they, they just see, I don't know what they're doing over there. I, I, can I say this? I saw him the other night against the Magic because I was watching the Magic Sunday afternoon. And you're right. The Pistons are a lot better or they're a lot more competitive, I, I guess is a better way to put it, than yeah. I envisioned when I saw them, you know, a few weeks earlier than that when they, you know, going through that horrible losing streak. Now, they didn't win. They got, in fact, I think they lost by double digits in the end because they just didn't, didn't have the talent. Uh, but I give the Pistons credit. Those guys are on the court. They're still playing hard. They're still, they're still putting an effort in there. They're, most of them are young, so there's reason to. Uh, Bogdanovich, another guy that – was he still doing in Detroit? <laughs> like, what's mm-hmm. he's what's he still doing there? Uh, he's you know their best shooter. Why why is you know, why do you need that if you're not going to you know win more than six or seven games? But you see, they have a young core there that that is pretty talented, and there's something to be said for trying to have those guys get used to winning some games because guys can get beaten down mentally and develop bad habits when all they ever do is lose in spite of their talent. And while Monty Williams is the kind of coach who probably would, you know, do a good job in not letting that happen. um, I think, you know, I think Detroit should try to keep winning, but again, with, with Burks, he's on an expiring deal. He's not going to be there next year. So, you know, he's essentially a rental and I think you could definitely get a second round draft pick for him. I mean, and again, the Knicks would love to have a guy like that. Boston would love to have a guy like that. Um, same with Bogdanovich. I mean, you know, those two teams could both use a, a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that Mark Stein wrote about in his Substack uh, that, uh, that that I thought we might want to talk about is a, a rumor about maybe Milwaukee moving on from Bobby Portis and replacing him with Grant Williams. In other words, Ooh. a Dallas-Milwaukee trade. Now, Grant Williams, uh, you know, in his years with Boston, always did a good job guarding Giannis because he could body him. So he will give them a certain toughness on, on defense if he were to they were to make that move. But, Ross, I know that you have reasons that you would not want to see Bobby Portis leaving Milwaukee. Yeah, my biggest concern there is, number one, he is the off-the-bench spark plug fan favorite for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, just looking at that five-man position, if you get rid of Bobby Portis, what are you going to do in games Brooke Lopez either needs a breather or needs rest and is not playing? I mean, Bobby Portis fills that five-hole for them quite well. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of of the idea of Giannis having to play a lot of uh, minutes defensively as a five. I think uh, that could really open him up to some foul trouble and – if he picks up early fouls on the defensive end, then obviously he's got to tone it down offensively where he's been lethal with Damian Lillard this season. So if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I would go ahead and roll the dice. Hopefully P.J. Tucker gets bought out or you can make a trade for much cheaper than getting rid of a guy like Portis for Grant Williams. By the way, speak real, real quick here. In that Mark Stein uh, article, that column that you mentioned, Bruce, my favorite take in that whole thing was the section on Malcolm Brogdon wanting to stay in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect to what you said in about Detroit. They're trying, they're building with their young guys. They have, you know, some talented players there and maybe you want to keep some veterans to show them how to do it. Malcolm Brogdon seems to be really enjoying himself. The Portland, you know, trailblazers are in the same boat 
uh, as as Detroit and some other young teams like the Spurs or whatever. You know, they got young guys that want to lead the way, and they have some veterans there to try and show them the ropes. And Malcolm Brogdon sounds like he's somebody who wants to you know be part of that. You know, teaching these guys the ropes and being valued there. He he said he appreciated being valued somewhere. And I I got a real kick out of that. I thought that was a uh, you don't see that very often. Uh, at this day and age by a veteran, especially somebody like Malcolm uh, Brogdon, who's been in the big big games. He he knows that that situation. He knows that atmosphere. He likes what he's where he's at in Portland. I appreciate that. I think Stein said that he has one more year on his deal and he's probably looking for an extension. But look, one of the things about a guy like Brogdon, the guy that really needs to develop on that team is Scoot Henderson. Yeah. And practicing against Malcolm Brogdon every day sitting next to him on the bus or whatever, soaking up the knowledge. Malcolm Brogdon was always, you know, he was an injury-plagued guy, but nobody ever said that Malcolm Brogdon didn't have a super high basketball IQ, and that's exactly what you want to expose a guy like Scoot to a, to a player like that. Yeah, great point there. And he's been a joy to watch this year with the Blazers, of course, being a big Scoot fan myself. I've tuned into a lot of those late-night Portland Trailblazers games, and – I would agree. If he wants to stay, I'm, I'm more than happy to keep him in the rotation, even taking a few minutes from Scoot and taking shots from Anthony Simons, both who I am very high on, high on in the future. But I think they're just going to benefit from having a leader in the locker room and a guy that is a veteran presence uh, to the caliber of a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. So that's great news to hear out, out of Portland. And uh, you guys both raised some good points on that one. Now, before we get to our final thoughts, I do have a quick best bets, and I've got two hot and heavy volume shooters to keep tabs on for your player point prop bets. Number one is will be Charlotte Hornets and their rookie, Brandon Miller. Over his last 10 games, he's averaged 22.7 points, and he's scored 28-plus points in three of his last four. Strictly in terms of betting his points prop, I absolutely love him out there right now without LaMelo Ball. With the Hornets 10-38 and 38 on the season, a team likely to trade off some of the rotation players at the deadline, as we've mentioned, keep watching Miller's point lines and strike while the iron's hot. Now, my second guy is D'Angelo Russell of the Los Angeles Lakers. With or without LeBron, you can count on D'Lo firing from the field. And while his scoring numbers have taken a hit over the past week on the road, I fully expect him to head, heat back up back home in L.A. D'Lo certainly making a last-ditch effort to prove he can be that third scoring piece to the Lakers' chances at a title this season. While calling the Lakers a title contender right now might be highly questionable, counting on D'Lo to shoot a high volume is never in question. I like I like him for 20-plus points a night at home any day of the week. And with that, we'll go ahead and get to our final thoughts. And Bruce, I'll let you lead us off. Joel Embiid was the MVP last season. But in spite of his incredible numbers and the success of his team, the current scoring leader will not repeat as MVP this season. The new rules governing regular season awards stipulate that a player must appear in at least 65 games in order to be eligible for awards like MVP and the All-NBA teams. After suffering a knee injury on January 30th, he's not going to play again for a while, if at all, this season. So by this time next week, he'll have missed his 18th game and will be ineligible for any honors. You know, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and the 65-game rule was a response to what many fans felt was excessive load management by star players. But injured stars, 
are now caught up in the new rule. And that seems like an area where the rule could be tweaked. When Embiid plays, Philly is 26 and 8, which is a winning percentage better than league leading Boston. When he doesn't play, the team is 4 and 10, which is a bottom five winning percentage in the league. I don't think there's any question that Embiid is as valuable as any player in this league, but he won't be recognized due to the rule. This man has lost a lot of time to injuries throughout his career, including his first two entire seasons, but he's always tried to battle through them and keep playing. So it seems kind of cruel to me to see him lose out on eligibility for major awards because other players and coaches caused this 65-game rule to be implemented. Yeah, this is a question for conversation later on this offseason, what we're going to do with players that at least undergo injury, right? I mean, I think the biggest thing is you could say someone's injured, they're really not injured, and maybe kind of cheat the rules a little bit. But when a guy is having a procedure done like this, I think we should certainly account for that and keep them in the conversation. I don't think they should just be absolutely eliminated. So great points there, Bruce. World B? Thank you, Ross. The overabundance of 50, 60, and even 70-point scores of late has as many fans excited about it as there are up in arms. But instead of appreciating the greatness of these players and the impressive skills it takes to put up these kind of numbers, some fans are choosing to use this as a symbol for all that is wrong with the league. My connection with the NBA goes back to the late 70s, and as a lifelong Knicks fan, I have vivid memories of the success they had in the 90s when they were one of the elite teams in the league for a decade. That team was built on defense, the type of defense that would be the catalyst for the rule changes we see in this current era. Changes that have elevated offenses to a level this league has never seen. But calling for any significant rule changes to rein in the scoring couldn't end up doing more harm than good for this sport. Yes, the referees could call a tighter game in some spots and even be more consistent with their officiating. That could help. But things like extending the three-point line or other physical changes to the court that we've heard about over the years, including elevating the rim. You remember the (laughs) 11-foot rim and all that silliness. That's only going to alienate a fan base and a generation that loves this game the way it is right now. This form of NBA basketball may not work for people of my generation anymore. But there's still no need to make any dramatic rule changes in this game. Just enjoy and appreciate what we're seeing these guys do in the moment. It's really unprecedented. It really is. I'm glad you said that, World B, because I think for where we're leading here in the in the league with our, our entertainment content, things of that nature, where the world's going with TikTok and Twitter and things of that nature, I think this scoring is only helping market the game and all the talent we have in the game. So – I couldn't agree with you anymore with what, what you just had to say. As for my final thought, I actually have an announcement, but I'm going to start with a question to all our listeners out there. Did you ever wish you could join us for a live game, possibly ask us questions, join in on our fun conversations, and get more 48 minutes content? Well, you're all in luck as I have an, we have an exciting new opportunity and I have an announcement. We are joining Playback TV at least once a week for the rest of the NBA season, and we will be bringing you live-streamed NBA games and content on Playback TV on our brand-new stream called 48 Minutes Live. 
not only can anyone join in the fun listening in and interacting with us, but Playback TV also has a direct partnership with the NBA, which allows you to plug in your NBA League Pass subscription to watch along with us. And for all of you that might not have purchased NBA League Pass this season, we will have 20 VIP League, pa- league Game Passes to hand out on each of our live streams. So each game, 20 lucky members of the 48 Minutes Live broadcast will be hooked up with NBA League Pass for the evening to watch all the action with us. Playback TV is free to join, so please head to their website at www.playback.tv or simply download the Playback.tv mobile app on your smartphone or tablet device to be sure you're set to join us for 48 Minutes Live. Fellas, I'm excited. What about you guys? Oh, it's going to be very, very cool. I mean... You know, the three of us first got together back in the color cast days where, you know, I found Ross and we found World B and, you know, that's how this group came together. So I think for us to be able to work with an official NBA partner where those of you who want to join us live will actually get the benefit of having League Pass uh, for games, even if you aren't paying for League Pass. So it's a it's a great opportunity for you to catch some out of market games and engage with us and we couldn't be more excited and you know once we kind of get our feet with with this thing a little bit i'm sure we'll have some variations where we maybe can get some of you to tell us what games you would like to join us for and again provided our scheduling you know personal individual schedules will work i'm sure we'll try to accommodate uh, people who want to pick a game and just you know jump in with us right world b Absolutely. I mean, interacting with a live audience is the next step for our, you know, for this group here uh, in our show. And uh, it would seem to me this is a perfect opportunity. I'm I'm looking forward to forward to it tremendously. Uh, like I said, it's another uh, it's another ele- you know, evolution in our in our show, and and taking it live every you know once a week is going to be a great experience. And if it works out well, why you know maybe we can work it out even longer, you know war games or whatever the case may be. But, you know, for right now, we're, I'm very excited about the opportunity. I know, you know, we all are. We, we've uh, discussed it since, uh, since, you know, news came out about it. Yeah. And uh, from all the color cast OGs out there, maybe you might've missed my NBA same game parlays where we track them live during the game. Well, you're in luck because I'm bringing those back and we're going to be tracking those things throughout <laughs> the game. So, Get ready for those as well. I hope you are as excited as we are. Again, playback.tv. You can Google it. Make sure that you join. It's free to join. You can join the 48 Minutes Live stream room. And when we go live, you will be notified. We will definitely keep you posted on our first debut game later on this week. Um, But really excited about that. And For this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast, that will be all. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everybody.